Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me once again today. Always a pleasure. You know, let's talk about something that's uh, common to all of us who have a business. One word, moving. Well, we all have a business. We all have a location, right? You have a location where your business is located. Maybe you have multiple locations. And uh, over the last year, of course, things have changed. Maybe you think you need less space, more space, uh, no space. I don't know. But the next gentleman we're going to talk to is going to help us with relocation strategies, and that's the name of his company, Corey Utkoff. He, uh, he plans, implements, and executes commercial relocations on a national basis. They're the party planner to companies relocating their offices and facilities. They're not a moving company. They project uh, and uh, they project manage the process. So our big question these days, are employees going to come back to the office? And the answer is yes, companies and employees want to come back to the office when it's safe. They miss the synergy, socializing, brainstorming, and mentoring. But there will be a hybrid model where companies will allow their team to work remotely one or two days a week. I've said too much already. I'm going to let Corey say the rest. Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. Well, thank you for having me, Bill. I'm really looking forward to this. Me too, Corey. It's an interesting topic. We don't talk about it enough. Uh, the physical, you know, the physical part of owning a business, uh, the building and location management and all that. Tell us a little bit about you and your background before we get into uh, uh, into the topic at hand. Absolutely, it's always a good uh, topic. I like talking about myself. Um, I <laughs> my background is commercial real estate. I've had my broker's license for over 30 years. I do not do transactions anymore, but in the past, I have built up brokerage companies and third-party management companies to the point of at one time, we were managing over 10 million square feet of uh, commercial real estate. And I've had offices in uh, Northern California, Southern California, and also in Hong Kong, which was sort of interesting when uh, Hong Kong was getting ready to revert back to China. A lot of the Hong Kong Chinese were trying to pull their money out or diversify their portfolio. So we sold commercial real estate from the Western U.S. in Hong Kong. So that, that's my background. Wow. And, yeah, so it's sort of interesting. But I've built businesses, and I got involved with relocation strategies uh, about five years ago. And it still keeps me in touch with the real estate uh, community. And, uh, and, you know, like anything, I, I, like, uh, I like being in that environment. It's an interesting niche. You know, there's, uh, there's of course, uh, a lot of um, different areas you can become involved in the real estate uh, area. And uh, this is probably one that causes people a lot of heartache and pain if they don't think about it. Because, let's face it, uh, a lot of the owners 
or their managers that are taking care of this, you know, they're they're already busy. They're already doing something. So so let's take let's talk about that. Let's um, how um, how does this work? How does an empl- uh, an employer a company? Um, when do they first approach you, and what, what's the first conversation like? Um, you know, the the first well, first even before that, it's sort of like your business when people are getting ready to exit their business, they should start thinking about it five years beforehand. When someone is getting to really think about relocating their business, their office, or their manufacturing facility or industrial property, they should think about it a lot longer, eighteen months in advance, twelve months in advance prior to it actually taking place because there is a lot that goes into it and there's a lot of planning and logistics and, and, you know, really figuring out the best way of doing it. And the, you know, the conversation is like this is, uh, Hey, okay, we've signed it. We found a new location to move to. Now what, how am I going to find the time to manage this internally, whether it is someone from the C staff, or whether their office manager or operations manager, they typically are trying to operate and continue focusing on their business. But this this location, this process is going to take some time and it's going to disrupt their business. So with us getting involved in planning, implementing and executing it, we can really come in and really cut down on the time that they need to spend in it. And also at the end of the day, save them a tremendous amount of money in the long run not making right, you know, not making bad decisions that are going to hurt them, but more importantly, is use it as an advantage to really, you know, um, plan and figure out how they can do it the right way and how we can do it the right way, and and really get us involved as early as possible. So the three keys, it sounds like, for an ideal client of yours is they want to save time, money. And and you know allow themselves to focus on the business, right? It sounds like those are the three keys of an of an ideal client. Is there any particular size of business that you do uh, love to work with, or that you don't work with? Um, we really can get involved with anyone who as as little as a person, a, a company that has six people in their office, or you know a five thousand square foot industrial building on up to we've worked with projects that have, you know, 500 people and, you know, which uh, that are relocating in a million square feet, you know, with some of our corporate clients. So it's really wherever we can add value and where they, you know, what I like to say is that it's not brain surgery what we do. We're just going to do it more efficiently and we're going to do it the right way because this is our singular focus. And so, you know, we're really going to be able to, if we can add value, then we want to help the company. If we can't add value, I'm just, you know, we're going to say, you know what, this is what you need to do. Here's our checklist, our timeline, follow these guidelines, and you'll be fine. But if they really are, you know, just don't have the time in the day or whatever it is, they want to do it the right way, and they and they want to go through the right process of saving them time and money and finding the right vendors, because what we really do is we project manage the relocation. We bring in the right vendors, we who vetted vendors mm-hmm. who we've dealt with, or new vendors that we know the right ask the right questions instead of just googling them. Who can who can I get new racks from? Who can I get new office furniture right. from? So that's really where we can add value. So how long does it take to relocate a standard office of say fifty people? It's going to take someone internally probably 200 to 250 hours of their time if they were not going to use a company like Relocation Strategies. 
Um, and so, you know, that's, wow. and that's in addition to doing their day-to-day and weekly responsibilities. And if, right. you, if you look at it this right. way, if you, if you really, every scope item that, you know, that, that is out there, people just think of, oh, I just need to find a mover. There's a lot more to the logistics and planning and a lot more people than the companies and vendors you need to bring in than just a moving company. As we like to say, the move is the 10, last 10%. We handle 100% of it. Yeah, and I would imagine doing this, like you said, I mean, the company can focus on its core business, which makes them money, but can you also save the company money over, say, trying to do it themselves in other ways? Sure. Um, absolutely. And, th- and that's one of our, you know, what we try to tell our clients is that when we're talking to a vendor and in a typical office move, you may be talking, you may have eight to 10 line items. And if you really are doing a good job, that means you're talking to 24 to 30 vendors. You should be. So we, you know, we do 80 to a hundred projects a year. And on, so we may be hmm. talking to a vendor 60 times to let, to give them the opportunity to bid on a project. So I like to say if, if, if sites are going to benefit from our volume of business, because a vendor is going to give us very good pricing because they're again, look, getting to look at 60 projects a year from us versus if I call them once every five years and saying, Hey, I'm relocating or my clients relocating, what's the best price you can give us. And also if they know that we're involved in a project that they automatically will give us better pricing because they know that there's a point person who's going to manage it professionally. They've worked with us in the past, or even if it is a new, new vendor that we haven't worked with, but we've vetted, then they know that, Hey, there's someone who's a, you know, who's going to be able to help us supervise. They're going to be able to make sure that it runs smoothly. And for a lot of the vendors, it's just time and material. So as, 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 as fast as they can get in and out of a project, they are very happy about. So they give us good pricing, which we pass on to our clients. Excellent, excellent. And let, let's talk about some of the, the scope of the items that you get involved with before we move on to, to some other you know, uh, timely, timely topic questions. What are some of the uh, scope items that you get involved with? Let's you know, demystify that for our, our listeners. Sure. So we, we sort of you know, can project manage the whole project, um, or we can, or a client can say, this is what I really need assistance on, and we can a la carte it for them. But starting from the beginning, we can help on the space planning. We can help on the layout of the facility, furniture procurement, if they want new furniture, used furniture, or if they just want to move their existing furniture. Same with racking and shelving when we're talking about our industrial manufacturers. Um, the same thing, we can help them with, you know, moving their furniture, getting or racking, shelving or getting new or used to everything related with the IT component of it. And that includes if they need new phone systems, transferring their ISP, which a lot of people forget about, which is very time, time sensitive to everything to, you know, the physical move itself um, and decommissioning the space. And people forget about the decommissioning clients. And that is really the definition of that is how, what does the, what does the lease or the agreement say that's in place how I need to leave the old facility? Because mm-hmm. there are penalties mm-hmm. that if they don't leave it on time or if they don't leave it the way it is. So we can come in and really, you know, help them do that. They're already in their new facility operating and there was not a lot of downtime, but now what do we do with the old facility or the old office space? 
do we need to get rid of the old furniture? Is, can we find a buyer for it? Can we find a charity? Is there someone else that we're working with that, want, you know, th- that will pay to pick up the furniture and take it so it doesn't end up in the land, which would be a win-win for everyone and the environment. So we can get involved from everything from A to Z. A couple of projects I'm involved with right now, I'm actually helping on the architectural selection. And we brought in a property management company because it is going to be a multi-tenant uh, project. Um, so really, but it's really what does the client need, where can we add value, and, what to, and what's keeping up, up at night where we can come in and help them. I'm talking with uh, Corey Udkoff of Relocation Strategies. Uh, we've been talking about some of the scope of, you know, the, the horror that we all face when we want to move our, our offices. But, you know, let's, talk, let's switch gears here a little bit, Corey. There have been a lot of changes in the last year. Again, we're, we're talking now in February of 2021, and, and COVID's been with us almost a year, and a lot of uh, changes have come about with regards to how people are using or plan to use their space in the future. Uh, let's talk about uh, what all that means, um, and I'll let you answer this question. I, I kind of stepped on it earlier, but are employees going to come back to the office? I think once it is safe for employees and companies' teams to come back to the office, that not only the companies want them to come back to the office, but the employees to a point want to come back to the office also. And the reason... I say that is that they miss the synergy. They miss the socializing. Mm-hmm. They also miss the brainstorming, which is hard to do on a team or on a right. Zoom meeting or whatever it may be. And the younger workforce is missing the mentoring. So it's really, really hard to mentor somebody when you're trying again to do it and you know and and see what they're doing as opposed to knocking you know going to their cube and saying hey this is what i really meant to do this and you know it's just better the companies and and there's a lot of productivity when we started this back in february march you know the first 60 days these companies were very very excited they said oh my gosh we're going to be able to save so much money on our real estate occupancy costs because we're going to get rid of our offices and mm-hmm. because productivity has not diminished at all. It has. Now there's been new reports where productivity has diminished. So let's get mm-hmm. people back in the office when it's safe. And, you know, but it's, I think it's going to be a hybrid model. I think that people have gotten used to being able to work remotely. And there's a lot of benefit for people working remotely. They can save the commute time. They can save money on their gas, on child care on dry cleaning, on eating out. And, again, the, the commute time is a lot. I mean, if, if you can save mm-hmm. someone, you know, an hour driving back and forth each day, that's great. That's right to their bottom line of time that they can spend with their family or doing something else. But so I think that, you know, working remotely is great, but I think that there's going to be a hybrid where companies are going to say, let's, you know, we want you to come into the office three or four days a week. The other two days mm-hmm. or one day, mm-hmm. you can work remotely. So, it's a, it's, so mm-hmm. it's a benefit for everyone in the long run. So does all that mean that companies would need less office space if people are going to work remotely one to two days a week? It sounds like if they can stagger it, maybe they can get away with less office space, and that, that could uh, trigger a need to find a, a new place. So it's sort of, so it's sort of interesting. What, 15 to 20 years ago, 
we the industry used to allocate 200 to 250 square feet per head in the office. Over mm-hmm. the last, then that has been skewing down. To we have worked with some projects, whether it's customer service representatives or startup companies, where they really allocate less than 150 square feet per employee. So we all like our social distancing now. We all like having our space. So in theory, you would say, yes, we're going to need less square footage. But the flip side of that and the reality is we want to be able to social distance a little more, have more, have bigger mm-hmm. cubes or whatever it is. So, you know, we're not going to go back up to the 100, 200 square feet per employee, 250 square feet per employee, but it's going to skew back up to maybe 175 to 190. So you are going to need more of a, you know, a more footprint per employee, which maybe is going to mm-hmm. offset people not working in the offices as much. But there may be, you know, at the end of the day, companies may say, you know, we can use 10% less square footage, 15% less square footage, because of both of those mm-hmm. factors of, of, you know, telecommuting one or two days a week, but also at the flip side is having more space per employee. So, so I've heard this term. I've heard a term out there, Corey, hoteling, but I don't know. What does that mean? What does hoteling mean? So hoteling spaces, you know, which, which, we are, which we've seen even before the pandemic when I've been working with furniture vendors and layouts and space planning and all that is, you know, they wanted to leave some, uh, an area or different desks where people can come in and they don't have an assigned desk, but they, you know, maybe have their, keyboard and their, their laptop, mm. their mouse and everything else it put into a locker and they can just go and pull that out of the locker and go, just go and sit wherever there is in a hoteling space. So sort of, you know, use it for that. Oh, day. okay. The next day they may come in and use a different space. And so, you know, you need to sort of, you know, you need to sort of look at that now today and say, if people are not going to be in the office, you know, one or two days a week, do we, do we need to have assigned seating? Do we need that, you know, where people can put their photos up and all that and make it their personal space? Or can we have a combination where, you know, for some people we do have that, but the rest is just they use their, again, the term hoteling space. And, Got it. You know, where <laughs> it's not assigned okay. seating. You know, the interesting, you need to make sure now that if it is hoteling space, that it is sanitized, it is cleaned, you know, more right. often than having the janitor wipe it down, you know, when they come in two days a week. But now, you know, you need to really disinfect it because I think people are, you know, getting to the point where they, you know, uh, where they were germaphobes before. Now that, you know, you can multiply that by 10. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. And I would imagine that for some people it's a little disconcerting not having their, their you know, files right there. And, you know, uh, you know I can imagine it would – it would impact some people differently than others. Um, let's talk about um, some of the unknowns. Help our listeners. Uh, wh- what are the, some of the things that are unknowns about about this uh, coming back to the office topic, and uh, what should our listeners be thinking about? So the, the biggest unknown is, you know, you are in a high-rise building in downtown Los Angeles, Century City, San Ana, Newport Center, New York City, Chicago, San Francisco, is how do you get people up to the 20th, 50th, 60th floor with a small elevator 
through social distancing. So are we back to the times where we would take a number at when we're at the deli counter or 31 flavors and say, now it's your time to go and use the elevator because you can mm-hmm. only, instead of having 10 people in there at a time, now, you know, you can have four people in there or three people in there. So that's really is how to, in high rise buildings is how office buildings is how do we get people up to their buildings? So does that mean long-term that, that in the commercial, you know, industry does a, a building, a two-story, three-story walk-up building become more of a desired footprint for companies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. or and the other thing is if, if you're in some of these other cities like Chicago, San Francisco, New York, do people want to use public transportation? In mm-hmm. Southern California, we don't have that much of an issue because most people are in love with their cars. But, you know, do you want to get in and spend a lot of time on, on, a, on a public transportation? and getting to the office. So does that mean that you may have satellite offices, you know, and smaller offices where you can go work out of and the headquarters doesn't have their, you know, big high-rise glamour space or they've downsized that, which would be right to their bottom line if they were able to save money. But on the flip side is have a, you know, a, a secondary building that, you know, that people feel comfortable going to. So those are sort of the unknowns that's going to, sort of play out again and this is all going to happen after you know everyone feels safe and it is safe to go back to the office this you know this has really been interesting <clears throat> very very um interesting thoughts that you have and it's clear that you know that um when you when you deal with an expert obviously the expert will go deeper on some of these topics and think about things you might not be thinking about so uh, I know that you've you've done a lot of work for a, a lot of businesses um, in this area and saved a lot of time and money for them. Uh, but w- one of the key things is I guess uh, companies can call you for a free uh, assessment, a no-cost assessment of time cost and time associated and probably pick up some good ideas just by talking with you, Corey. What's the best way for them to reach out and start a conversation with you? They can either... Uh go, you know, send me an email or go on our website. My email address is Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at relocationstrategies.net. They can go on our website or they can just Google relocation strategies and it'll take them directly to our website. And we do have a something that they can fill out and get a free checklist and timeline, which will assist them. And we can contact them based on that. Or my mobile number is 714-624-4992. And the free assessment is really can be beneficial to them because a lot of people have a crazy number that is going to cost me X amount of money to relocate my business, and I don't want to go through the headaches and the time drain of doing that. But with our free, with our assessment, we will come in and say, actually, this is some hard cost that this is the cost. This is the, this is what, what it's going to cost in terms of time and money. And so, and it, typically, it happens to be a lot less than what they were anticipating. Excellent. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, if you're thinking about if you can use your space better or find new space that suits you better, uh, it, it behooves you to to get in touch. Again, it's relocationstrategies.net. Corey, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all these uh, great tips with our listeners today. And um, I, I hope I uh, wish you the best of of uh-huh. luck and everything. And I hope we can talk again in the future and see see maybe things how things have changed in another year or so. Absolutely. I want to thank Bill. Thank you very much for taking the time and uh, to your listeners.
Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio.